this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to the hindu's in focus podcast with me amit barua your host for this episode on july 9th the people of sri lanka took democracy into their own hands and ensured the departure of the last of the rajapaksa brothers president gotabaya rajapaksa who had to flee his colombo residence as tens of thousands of people gathered outside the private residence of prime minister ranil wickremesinghe was torched both leaders have now promised to resign formally but the question remains are sri lanka's political parties and political leaders up to the task of steering the country out of its economic crisis that has crippled the lives of ordinary people to answer these questions joining me from colombo is amal jaisinghe veteran colombo based journalist and bureau chief of the french news agency afp welcome to the in focus podcast amal thank you amit and thank you for having me amal my first question on the july the 9th it appeared that uh, you know everyone in colombo was on the street and we saw you know the dramatic departure of president rajapaksa did you anticipate this course of events well for three months there had been uh, calls for the president to step down and obviously he has been resisting these calls on the 31st of march there were lots of people who went to his private residence and uh, there were some demonstration there was some a couple of vehicles set ablaze so there had been this demand for the president to go for several months but it kind of picked up on the 9th of july in a way that Uh, many people did not expect the uh, tens of thousands who came to colombo and these huge crowds it happened despite severe shortages in the country people did not have petrol or diesel for their vehicles so even as people have been covering this conflict uh, the uh, street sri lankan story for a long time we we didn't expect uh, the kind of turnout given the uh, transport difficulties the fact that public transport was not able to operate so look like a lot of people decided to walk and they walked uh, several uh, miles to get to the city and in the end we had hundreds of thousands of people i mean there was an unofficial estimate of about half a million people now half a million may not sound that big uh, when you look at uh, some of the regional countries particularly india but for sri lanka even a crowd of 100000 is massive so this crowd was overwhelming and we we never really thought that they will be able to overrun the president's house this is a building uh, this is a, a house of a government bungalow which is probably the most tightly guarded in the entire country so we never really thought that uh, protesters will be able to overrun it and capture and more importantly to occupy it so since last saturday that is what has happened so amal you know uh, you watched sri lanka over many decades you know we had the jvp um, movement insurrection then we had the ltt and we had a post ltt situation but this kind of people that you saw on the roads i mean other than the fact that they entered uh, the president's house and you know seemed to have enjoyed uh, many of the of its facilities and the unfortunate torching of uh, prime minister vikramasinghe's uh, residence but other than that there was no looting or any violence reported was there yeah that's that's pretty unusual 
because usual tendency in this kind of situation is for people to go into these houses and smash everything or loot. Now, we saw a lot of looting on the 9th of May when there were sort of rioting across the country sparked by an attack on the protesters at Goldface, that is right in front of the president's official president's secretariat after the protesters were assaulted or beaten up and basically there was an attempt by some ruling party activists to break up or chase away these protesters. So then there was there were retaliatory attacks across the country and the homes of uh, senior politicians, including ministers and uh, deputy ministers and some of the top officials, their homes were looted, their homes were set on fire. So there was sort of very unruly kind of mob violence. Now, this instance, although more people broke into these uh, government uh, buildings, we did not see much looting. I mean, there may have been one or two instances, but certainly not in the scale that we saw on the 9th of May. So this is unusual. And there were people shouting and sort of trying to stop others who were trying to smash uh, some of the crockery, some of the glassware, some of the artifacts. So there were people shouting and saying, look, this is, this is our property, protect them. And uh, if you now walk into the president's palace, there are handwritten posters saying uh, not to damage uh, anything inside the building. The president's house is more than 200 years old, and it is also a repository of very valuable art. Now, the, uh, there were handwritten posters again near these paintings saying none of these artworks had been done by Gotabe Rajapaksa, so please don't damage them. So there seemed to be a kind of uh, awareness or sort of uh, feeling that uh, the state property uh, should not be uh, harmed. So uh, that seems a kind of a, a unusual development. So Amal, you know, obviously this dramatic outgo uh, movement out of his uh, residence uh, by the president and members of his family. And now, uh, you know, the prime minister also offering to resign. So. Can you tell uh, the listeners of our In Focus podcast, what happens now in Sri Lanka? Well, the constitutional provisions are, in the event of a president resigning, the prime minister at the time automatically becomes the acting president. So in this case, Ranil Vikramasinghe, the current prime minister, will automatically become acting president. For how long is also specified in the constitution. Now, this process cannot take more than 30 days. But at the same time, Amit, if parliament reconvenes very quickly and the parliament is able to elect somebody from among themselves, then Vikramasinghe can be acting president for a very short period of time. Now, the speaker has to reconvene parliament to elect a new president. Now, that process will take a minimum of three days because the speaker has to give a minimum of three days notice for a parliament to reconvene. Right now, the parliament is not in session. So he has to give three days notice for parliament to reconvene and that parliament can decide if they want to have, if they want to, they can have an immediate vote in parliament and choose a successor. So. In theory, we can have a new president within three days of Gotabe Rajapaksa formally handing over his resignation to the Speaker. Or if Parliament thinks it's better to wait for some more time, then they can go on for at up to 30 days. 
that is what the constitution specifies so within 30 days they can decide who is going to be the next president but what is most likely is that the current prime minister will remain no sooner the president steps down president announces his resignation he will be sworn as the acting president and then within 3 days parliament will reconvene and parliament will vote on a new president so i think within the next within 3 to 4 days from the president resigning so that means president has now promised he will resign on wednesday so by the weekend we should have a new president and this president will be able to complete the rest of the term of the incumbent president yes that is what the constitution says the new president that is elected can serve the remaining the balance period of gotabaya rajapaksa's presidency which is till about the end of november 2024 and of course the other thing amit is that uh, with the current prime minister if, if he is not elected as the next president or he cannot revert back to being prime minister the prime minister will also have to be elected by parliament so almost uh, it is almost certain that by this weekend Sri Lanka will have a new president and a new prime minister and with a new prime minister there would be a new cabinet and a new government Amal you know we we've seen the UNP and the SLFP and uh, the, the SLFP's new avatars uh, you know controlled uh, very closely by the Rajapaksa brothers I mean what is your sense I mean this is a really unprecedented crisis for Sri Lanka whether it is fuel shortages it is food shortages I mean, no one uh, ever envisaged that the country will go through such a situation. So, do you believe that uh, there can be a new leadership, you know, in a sense, from within Parliament to steer the country out of this mess? Well, this is really the big question. I mean, current Parliament. If you look at the composition of Parliament, the Rajapaksas had two-thirds majority. So they they had the presidency. They had two-thirds majority. and if you look at the president's powers they they brought in constitutional amendments to make the president the most powerful that sri lanka has ever seen but in spite of all that you are seeing rajapaksa is now having to leave power and uh, in the current parliament the rajapaksa's party has split into several groups so what we are seeing in the current parliament is that there is no single party which can command a majority on its own so all these splinter groups as well as the main opposition they will have to have some kind of coalition they'll have to cobble together a coalition that will provide some kind of stability to the government so what we will end up having is a coalition government and a president who is backed by a coalition so from probably the most powerful parliament we are going to see a situation where sri lanka will have a very shaky coalition so in terms of uh, the next steps uh, you, you laid out you know how this is going to work but uh, who are the likely candidates uh, say for prime minister or is that too early to say because many surprises can be thrown up on occasion and do you think it could be somebody com- a complete outsider in a sense who's not really been a minister before someone like that who might be elected to these top jobs well for the moment it looks like the main opposition has worked out a tentative uh, agreement 
with some of those who are breaking away from the Rajpaksa's party. So in broad terms, it looks like the current leader of the opposition, Sajid Premadasa, who is the uh, son of assassinated President uh, Ranasinghe Premadasa, he seems to be the f- front runner. His party seems to think that they have got a majority in parliament. They've got the support of the... So this party. is for uh, President uh, Amal or Prime Minister? But this is to be the next president. So the plans seem to be broadly, Amit, I mean, as you quite rightly said, in Sri Lanka, you can never be certain of anything. So the plan for the moment seems to be for Sajid Premadas to be the president and concede the premier post to some of the dissidents of the Rajapaksa's party. So among those dissidents, the guy who is a front runner to be the prime minister is a politician known as Dallas Alhaperuma. He has been the uh, media minister in the previous government. So uh, 63-year-old Dallas Alhaperuma seems to be the front runner to be the next prime minister. So what is being broadly talked about is Sajid Premadasa as president and Dallas Alhaperuma as his prime minister. So they will represent two political parties who have agreed for the moment to come together and navigate uh, the economic crisis, uh, have negotiations with the IMF and the other international lenders. So that's the plan. But whether it will work or not, we will only know once there is a vote on the floor of the House. But then there are other contenders as well. The former army chief Sarat Fonseca seemed to have a lot of support from the protesters who actually brought about the collapse of the Rajapaksa regime. So he has the support from the street protesters. But whether he has enough support in parliament is in doubt at the moment. But these are being worked out. There is a lot of lobbying going on right now. So Fonseca is also in the running. Then there are people who are talking about getting a complete outsider. The former speaker, Karu Jayasurya, is a fairly senior politician. People are talking about him coming as as an interim president to bring about the constitutional changes that protesters have been demanding, reducing the powers of the president, for example, returning Sri Lanka to kind of a Westminster parliamentary democracy. But he just doesn't have the kind of support in parliament and whether somebody will have to step down from parliament for him to come in. So these are very difficult uh, things to do in the current situation. So, But no one should be written off at the moment. But if you're speaking broadly, Sajid, is, Sajid Premadas is the front runner to be the president. Dallas Alhaperuma is a front runner to be the prime minister. But there could be several others in the days to come. Amal, you mentioned uh, the IMF negotiations in passing. Can you tell us what is the status of the negotiations? Are these continuing uh, despite the fact uh, that, uh, you know, there's no uh, clearly functioning government? Uh, is Are these negotiations continuing with the civil servants in uh, Sri Lanka? Amit, the staff level talks between the IMF and the Sri Lankan government concluded on the 30th of June. Now, they still haven't really come to an agreement at the staff level. So a staff level agreement can happen only after Sri Lanka presents a very credible debt restructuring plan. IMF wants to know how Sri Lanka is going to pay these loans, this $51 billion that uh, people are talking about, how that debt is going to be restructured. So without a debt restructuring plan, IMF is not going to 
finalize a staff level agreement with Sri Lanka to bail them out. So the debt restructuring plan we are expecting to be finalized probably sometime next month. It could even it could be somewhere in the in the middle of August or it could drag on till about the end of August. But what the IMF has clearly specified or clearly told the Sri Lankan authorities is that there has to be debt sustainability before there can be any bailout. So irrespective of who is in power, at the official level, these talks with the finance ministry and the central bank, they are continuing. So what the IMF says is that they are actually waiting for some kind of clarity on the political leadership in the country. But at the official level, these talks can continue and the debt restructuring can continue because for these debt restructuring, the government has hired international experts and the legal experts as well as people who are experienced in debt restructuring. So that process is going on irrespective of what's going on 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 the political front. So Amal, tell us, you know, the outside world is seeing, you know, the pictures, of course, now of the protesters and the president's house and, you know, all that. But the other picture that keeps coming out for the last several months is that of queues, you know, people standing in long, long queues for fuel, for petrol, for diesel. Please tell us, you know, what is the situation like now? Are schools and colleges functioning? Are people able to go to work? What is the situation in the country as far as the lives of people is concerned? The main problem in Sri Lanka right now is the lack of petrol and diesel, Amit. The schools were to reopen today, but they have been closure has now been extended by another week. The idea is to save on uh, commuting so that uh, whatever little petrol can uh, that is available, petrol and diesel that is available can be stretched out for a little longer. Government offices are not functioning normally. Only the essential services are operating. So if you are looking at uh, petrol uh, stations, there are a few petrol stations which are still selling petrol and diesel, but in ration quantities. So there are queues which are extending several kilometers. The only a handful of petrol stations are actually working in Colombo. If you look at Colombo and in the provinces, it's worse. So there is a little bit of petrol that is still being sold, but it's not freely available. So you see very few vehicles on the road. Public transport is very, very badly affected. So that's on one side. So because petrol and diesel are not easily available, transport is a serious problem. You see a lot of issues for transporting produce from the provinces. So vegetables are in short supply and they are also pretty, very, very expensive. Fish has become prohibitively expensive because there is no diesel and or kerosene oil for boats to go out. So it has had a knock-on effect on every sector of the economy. So, you know, we have never seen this kind of inflation in Sri Lanka before. We are looking at uh, inflation of about officially around uh, 55%, but unofficially Sri Lanka's inflation is put uh, at over 100%. And people are saying that Sri Lanka is only second to Zimbabwe when it comes to inflation. So uh, across the board, buying things for people's day-to-day needs Things have become expensive. Things are in short supply. And even if you can buy something, for a lot of people, they have become unaffordable. So, Amal, tell us, you know, as a journalist reporting this story, are you able to move around at all uh, in Colombo to report the story? Uh, Do you have fuel for your vehicles, for instance? Well, we are managing uh, with what little we have. It's it's not easy to uh, operate a car because it consumes more petrol. So, whatever little we have, we will save it. 
we there is no restriction of movement the problem is that you don't have fuel to get about so a lot of people are back on bicycles i mean one way of looking at it is that at the end of all this uh, i mean sri lanka is going to emerge a healthier and a stronger nation already we are eating less and we are walking more well that's one way of looking at it clearly so amal jaisinghe tell us one last question before i leave you i mean these protesters uh, that we saw uh, they seem to be from all backgrounds uh, in sri lanka so what does this mean for ethnic relations does it have a sort of larger message larger implication lasting impact for ethnic relations in sri lanka well one of the main elements of this uh, people's campaign was that they were very flatly rejecting the racist kind of politics practiced by sri lankan politicians for decades so they were blaming the rajapaksas for ethnic divisions in the country they were actually a lot of people were criticizing or sort of accusing the president of coming to power using a, a singular buddhist kind of uh, platform and that kind of polarized society so but those those things are now being sort of more or less broken down so one of the positives of the campaign is that there is a greater acceptance that communities that people should be united and these divisions were actually amplified or they were exploited by the politician for their own gains so i think there is a greater appreciation for ethnic reconciliation this is probably hopefully lead the way for greater reconciliation and also accountability i mean this is one of the serious problems that uh, sri lanka has faced we've had a we had a war that went on for decades and obviously there have been war crimes there have been uh, excesses uh, by the armed forces of course there have been excesses by uh, by the militants themselves but none of these things none of these people responsible for these excesses have been brought to justice or there have been very few cases of people actually being prosecuted so the call for accountability is something that is coming into the forefront now accountability for war crimes not only that but also accountability for economic mismanagement so the demand now is a people who brought sri lanka to this to its knees through their mismanagement through uh, serious policy uh, errors sort of stubborn decisions things like banning fertilizer there is a demand that these people should be held to account so i think the accountability is also going to be a key element whoever comes to power will have to address these issues amal jaisinghe veteran uh, sri lankan journalist based in colombo thank you very much for talking to the hindus in focus podcast thank you amit thank you very much for having me my pleasure in focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues in the meantime you can find our podcast on spotify apple podcasts stitcher and other platforms just search for in focus by the hindu we'll see you soon